Welcome to the first episode of the Lightweight Pre-Gamers Podcast. The crew will be going over a whole bunch of things, but just to name a few, they'll be talking about Superflex and the positional scarcity, when you should actually draft a QB in a Superflex league, how to save yourself if you wait on QB, and to end the show, they will be going over a couple of their favorite players, you know, some sleepers from each position. All right, watch the show, and please let us know what you think. Ball Podcast, I am your host, CJ Krause, and with me, I we have one of the best Dynasty writers, Dynasty expert, over at the pregame HQ. We have Garv with us. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? I can't complain at all, man. We're, we're going to be start talking about one of my favorite things here is um, Superflex Dynasty Fantasy Football, probably are my favorite way to play that we're talking about. I can't wait to break this down and get some advice and help some people. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. So one big... Yeah. So one big thing tonight we'll be talking about, again, my favorite talk at Dynasty Fantasy Football. Dynasty, for those of you unfamiliar with which you list, you probably do know, but it's where you own the players for the entirety of the league that lasts, or ideally, if it's a great league, you own them forever. And then, or unless you trade them or utilize that as well. Specifically tonight, we are talking about super flex, which means you can start an extra QB in the flex position and how that kind of affects things. Leagues are going more towards that route going forward right now so it's something we want to bring up to your attention and talk about how we attack those drafts and how specifically we want to um, help you get your best startup there now one thing i want to talk about is the startup that's all it is is a name for the draft itself that we do to start a league usually you'd have a normal draft in a redraft league but in a startup league this is the startup of the whole thing going forward is there anything you would do when you first start setting up for a startup for yourself so uh, to start off, the most important thing, in my opinion, at the beginning of every startup is to make sure that there's a good set of bylaws for the league. And then uh, you should read through them and understand all the rules in place with trading, with uh, just the scoring settings and any other rules that your league may have. And it's like just really important. No, that's awesome. That's great to hear that. It's always good to have a good foundation and bylaws, kind of like your script you want to go with there. And so, you know, every single rule possible. What are some things that you specifically want in your bylaws? Like, what do you look for in a league yourself? So for me in the bylaws, I want to know how my dues are going to be paid out, where the dues will be collected. And then uh, other main things are like the overall roster setup. So like one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one or two tight ends, a couple flex spots, and uh, super flex because obviously we're doing the super flex show. And many leagues, like he said, are going towards it. So I just want all of that, yeah. Yeah, no, that's definitely something you always want to know. You want to know what you're paying, how you're paying it, where's that money going. Because a lot of times the leagues we do um, aren't always with close friends. Ideally, in a perfect world, I'd have 12 of my, uh, 11 of my best friends in a 12-team league. We draft in person, but not all my friends are as diehard as I am. Yeah. So that's the funny thing about it. So we're finding like-minded people, like Garvin and I are um, a part of pregame HQ, and we're trying to find people to create this uh, community there. But a lot of times we're finding things on platforms where um, we don't know the person and we got to be smart with our money, of course. Mm-hmm. So speaking of that, how do you find your leagues, Garv? What, what is your like avenue? So I would, I normally just go through Sleeper and I try to find people on the fantasy football chat there. 
or I'll just reach out to many of the groups that I'm in that are also with like a bunch of like-minded people and everyone there is like really diehard into dynasty fantasy football. So it's pretty easy to find a league or start a unique league. Yeah, no, that's also a great way to go about it. Like sleeper, if you're using that app, it's a great way to kind of get a community in there, kind of pick and choose. There's always leagues popping up this time of year. We are in the heart of startup season right now. Another great thing that we like to use is Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great community out there. I just got on Twitter like two months ago and the outpouring um, amount of communities there. It's, it's amazing. So if you're not on there and you just find us through our website, definitely check us out on Twitter at the pregame HQ and we can help you find a league as well there. So if you're interested, you're looking for it, that's what we're going for. So specifically, um, to kind of move on to the next area is Superflex. How does that differ from a normal league? So in a normal one quarterback league, you can always wait for a quarterback and Literally, like, you can just wait until, like, round 10 to get your first quarterback and you'll be fine. But if you do that in a super flex, since you can start two quarterbacks, you really want to because quarterbacks provide, like, the safest floor and upside. So uh, in a super flex, you normally see the quarterbacks go a lot earlier. And you really want, like, one of the elite quarterbacks early on or else you could be in trouble if you don't – get one of the elite quarterbacks. Yeah, no, totally. I completely agree with that. Something a lot of people do in their first Superflex draft, they try to like attack it the same way as they would a one quarterback thing. Like, oh, I can just wait. And then they're kind of shell-shocked when they see five or six quarterbacks go in that first round um, mm-hmm. going forward. Something else to consider. One thing I like to look at is ADP for that and compare the difference between the two. A good rule of thumb, if you're like not able to find ADP or not sure how to get to it, um, is basically where they're going in a one QB league at about two to three rounds earlier. So like, let's say someone like Patrick Mahomes goes in the third, he's going to go in the first. He's normally the 1.01 in a super flex format for that reason. And that's kind of a good rule of thumb to go by. So if you're like used to seeing, let's say um, a Kirk cousins go round 15, you'll probably add around 12 at the latest. So you'll probably have to go a little bit earlier, but things like that kind of like gauge where the market is. And go from there because every Superflex draft is so different. That's something we're going to break down mm-hmm. a little bit more. And understanding that kind of formatting is one of the hardest parts of grasping that when you're first getting started. So mm-hmm. one thing I want to talk about is um, you kind of touched on it. But I want to kind of elaborate, uh, bring that more in depth. Why do you need a quarterback in the Superflex block? Why is it so important to you? I know you talked about floor and ceiling, but I want to see mm-hmm. like, is there a specific reason you want a quarterback there? I know I do, but I want to hear your thought process on that. Yeah, so like really in the super flex position, you want a quarterback there because odds are that if it's a super flex, that means that you're probably going to have like two or three running backs with another three wide receivers and then a tight end already with a few flex spots. So you're probably going to be starting like your wide receiver seven or eight in your super flex if you don't have a quarterback or you're running back like four or tight end like three or four so you'd be at a massive disadvantage there because the drop off at the other positions isn't as big and there's just 32 quarterbacks in the NFL that actually start like every game in um in all the other positions there's a lot more uh options with how you go about it 
No, I love that you touched on that. It's one big thing is positional scarcity with quarterbacks. So let's say an average 12 team league, not everyone is going to have three quarterbacks to play with. And if you're looking at the quarterback landscape as well, there's not usually that many you're actually like super excited to start in a one quarterback league. You'll probably get to like 13 guys maybe. So if you get two of those, someone else can't start one of them in their normal spot there and their super flex is weakened. So you're kind of increasing that gap there. And something else to consider, like quarterbacks were like kind of iffy on. The, usually the quarterback 20 scores as much as like the running back nine on average, somewhere around there in a four-point per passing touchdown league, even more in a six-point per passing touchdown league. So again, know your league scoring as well with that, but that is one big thing to consider, um, and I love that you touched on that. So again, you don't want to be starting your running back five or your wide receiver seven in that super flex spot. But the, usually there's floor is so much lower than even like, let's say the quarterback 19 there. Mm-hmm. So great. Um, also, what's up? Go on. Uh, also like at the quarterback position, uh, there's really just like a few people that you'll be comfortable that have a good long-term uh, ceiling and floor because like, Someone like a Baker Mayfield may only start another like four or five years or something like that. And then like once you get down to like a Mitchell Trubisky, you don't even know if they're going to start next season. No, again, I love you touching on that. Something else I can say, we're talking dynasty here. A big thing is knowing their contracts, knowing their situation. Big deal because like it changes the year to year in every position. But I feel like quarterback is the one that can swing the most when it does happen. So a lot of guys, like guys I'm not aiming for this year is like Tom Brady, like great if you're on a win now position, but you know he has one year at most left. You kind of fell into that if you took like Phillip Rivers or Drew Brees this past year. You're kind of like on a depreciating value. When someone else like, let's say, um, let's go into Kirk Cousins. I keep bringing him up right there. He's got guaranteed contracts for the next two years. He's not the sexiest mm-hmm. pick but he's safe. He's there. He's very what you need for a few years. And the difference in, inside the quarterback landscape isn't that big of a difference, but the difference in quarterback versus other positions is that massive. So again, sometimes it's better to go for that more safer guy that you know you can plug in getting your 18-ish points than trying to like swing for the fences with someone um, that you might not even last till next season, like a Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. So no, I love that you touched on that. To kind of bring that up a little, I want to start talking about strategy-based. What rounds do you target your quarterbacks and like what kind of mindset do you have going into um, a normal 12 team draft? So in a normal super flex league, my goal is to get uh, at least two of the top eight or nine quarterbacks. And I'm normally pretty aggressive with that. But last year when uh, I was getting into like super flex, my idea was that there were so many quarterbacks, like there's like 25, 30 quarterbacks that I'd be okay getting. So Back then, I'd be waiting till like round ten or something to get my quarterback, and then I'd see like a uh, Gardner Minshew, and that's a guy that I really liked. But I didn't look into the situation as good as well as I should have, and uh, Gardner Minshew may never really start for an NFL team. He might just be a backup, and then you could get like a Jarrett Stidham late, but. like, again, he might never start in the NFL. So you really want to get your two of the, like, 10 elite guys. Or at, at the very least, you want one of the elite guys. So I'd normally take one in the first round if I can get one of, like, Mahomes or Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or, like, a Aaron 
Rodgers would be like a third or fourth round pick. But just like I'd go pretty aggressive early on at the quarterback position. No, like I totally love that strategy. Go on and get in your quarterbacks early. For me, it's a lot about value. Like I love seeing mm-hmm. those. Like I usually like you. I, what I like to do is what I like to do in my strategies. Create a number of of where my lines are. Like where's mm-hmm. my line that I want to be okay with? This is my QB one, and mm-hmm. then look at the draft board and look what's going to happen. Ideally, I always usually would go quarterback round one. I would say mm-hmm. there's usually my first four or five picks I'm going quarterback. And then after that, I consider like the Christian McCaffrey is the lead mm-hmm. running backs there and then maybe gamble it going in the second round. But I usually don't like to leave my first two rounds without a quarterback unless very specific situations that I'll go into different kind of draft styles in the future. But that's something I aim for. Um, we'll talk about one of my favorite and probably where my line is for my QB one later on. When we start talking about players specifically. Um, one strategy that I love to do as well, and this depends on the year. And I want to talk about this right now. Um, is when you're drafting, if there's bye weeks known, I call this the buddy strategy. Is if I see the board, like I'm watching the board, and every person's going heavy QB, heavy QB, heavy QB. I pick the bye week with the most teams on bye, and I make sure to only get two of those on there. So I'm punting one week only, and mm-hmm. then I'll worry about quarterbacks later in the upcoming years. But I'm still aiming for that play. So like last year, one of my biggest plays was pairing um, a group of three quarterbacks. It was either going to be um, Patrick Mahomes if I can get him, Dak Prescott, and Matt Ryan. Those are my big three that I, they all had a week 10 buy at the time. So that's what I was aiming for is getting two of those three and then disregard a quarterback, let everyone else take the rest of them, don't care. So if bye weeks are known, the buddy strategy works really well. And then you combo that with my other strategy that I really enjoy, which is grab all the backups. Mm-hmm. So when you get into those like teen rounds, you're like, I could take this wide receiver that might do well, or I can grab like a Taysom Hill a Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton, like those guys that like don't have much value right now, but you know, the second anybody gets going down, something's going to be um, beneficial there. And sometimes it works. Sometimes you grab the right one. Sometimes it doesn't. But in those later rounds, those teens rounds, the margin for error isn't as much. Um, and your hit ratio goes down. So if you went like low QB early, that's a good way to mitigate that to save yourself for a season. What do you think of those strategies? Yeah, I really agree with those. And, like, if you can't get a quality one early on, you really have to go with quantity because uh, if you get, like, if you don't get one of the elite guys, you're probably going to not have an option at quarterback, like, in the long term. So you'd need, like, four to five starting quarterbacks to counter that or maybe, like, like he, CJ said, like, a lot of backups – yeah. So again, what he's talking about is uh, streaming off your bench in a one QB league, like uh, in a normal redraft league, you'll see a lot of people calling about streaming quarterbacks where you change your quarterbacks via matchup. That's another way to kind of attack it. If you miss out on all those elite guys, you can just like shotgun grab, like use rounds five through eight and like grab like three mm-hmm. or four quarterbacks in there and then pick the best matchups in that grouping. Cause you can um, play that game. It's a little bit riskier, but again, if you have a good foundation early on, I think that's a great viable strategy. So there's so many different ways to attack these super flex drags, which just makes it so much more interesting than the standard one quarterback league to me, because there's so many more avenues, so more variations and so many more draft styles that you have to adapt to. And that's why I love it. If you can tell by my inflection right now. Cool. No, hopefully um, a lot of you guys took some ideas on that. But again, what we've been talking about a lot is the quarterback position because super flex is quarterback driven. It really gets value back to the quarterback. 
Um, and what I want to segue this into is talking about specific positions. Again, we'll start with the quarterback. We're going to name a couple players that we, we aim for and kind of give a banter back and forth, whether we agree or disagree with how this goes. Um, so again, we're going to name about two-ish players per position, and then we'll talk about currently in the 2020 landscape, um, January 25th, um, day of recording on this one, uh, what we've seen in startups and why these guys our values now because it could change any time but mm-hmm. as of today these are guys we're aiming for in drafts at specific spots for a reason so we'll start with quarterback and hit every position so let's start there um who is like one or two quarterbacks you're aiming for and why so obviously like i said i want the elite like five or six guys but if i don't get those then i'll probably go for like a kirk cousins or a baker mayfield later in the draft like and even then, like later in a super flex draft for a quarterback like this is like round three to five, maybe. So uh, I really like Kirk Cousins because he has like two years left and he's going to be like a safe play. He'll get you like 18 to 20 points per game. And if it's six point passing touchdowns, maybe like 22 to 24. And he's like a perfect quarterback too. And I really liked what Baker Mayfield did down the stretch this year. And, like, he showed that he was – why he was the number one pick in his draft class. And I think that they might give him a contract extension because of what he did later in this year. So I think that he's another safer play at quarterback. No, I mean, I love that you touched on those guys. Like, Baker was definitely a second-half hotness going in, really rejuvenated his draft stock there and like we keep talking about Kirk Cousins he is so safe he's so vanilla though he's like vanilla ice cream mm-hmm. everyone likes vanilla ice cream is it your favorite no but the pieces around him the sprinkles as we can talk about with this the Justin Jefferson the Irv Smith the uh, Adam Thielen elevate the vanilla that he is to make mm-hmm. him very usable if you need him as a QB1 but ideally you want him as that QB2 but again if you're streaming mm-hmm. on the bench um, and Baker has about been around a fourth or fifth round um, startup pick. What I've seen um, mm-hmm. is a lot more range of outcomes at fifth to eighth range. Is that what you're mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to talk about a couple guys here. One is a little bit higher tier. I want to talk about Dak Prescott. I think he is a top five dynasty quarterback, maybe even top three, depending if he goes mm-hmm. back to um, Dallas. We saw the games and he's going in the second round. Which again doesn't sound like a huge value. Still put a ton of investment on him, but like if he played the whole season, he'd be a top five pick. So he's definitely one of my top guys. I love grabbing because I'll trade it into the late round. I'll take him at like a late first or take him in the mid seconds. Beautiful with his value mm-hmm. right now. Um, one thing I want to touch on earlier though, Ryan Tannehill is the last of the guys that I want to be my QB one. Mm-hmm. I think with his weapons around him, with AJ Brown there. Um, I'm sure they're going to bring someone else in with Corey Davis and John Smith leaving this offseason, or maybe bring one of them back. But he's just shown that he can do it. Um, I remember this past year he dropped a 40-point game um, in the semis, and there's not many quarterbacks that can do that there. So he's just someone – he's usually around that, like – I've seen him as high as the third, but that was usually me grabbing him because I don't want anybody else to get him. And mm-hmm. I'm on that fourth, fifth range. So around that big yeah. range um, is right there. So I like both those guys. I just like if he's there, I'll take Tannehill 100 times out of 100, but mm-hmm. he's better than Baker. So it depends on your draft strategy as well. But no, I loved your take. Uh, what do you think of Dak and Tannehill? 
Yeah, I completely agree with Dak Prescott and Tannehill because like Dak Prescott for me is also a top five quarterback easy. And right now he's my quarterback four. And getting him in the second round as their quarter like as a quarterback seven or eight, eight off the board is just a great value. And uh, even uh, Ryan Tannehill is a very good value because he's my quarterback in 10, I'm pretty sure. And, number 10, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you're getting him off the board as like a quarterback 12 or 13. So again, it's a small value, but it is still a value. No, but small values add up so much, especially like a starter that's going 25, 30 rounds. You need those little tiny value jumps. They add up mm-hmm. so much and everything. Like I personally would take Ryan Tannehill over Tua, but like I'm like the 1% that thinks that um, Ryan Tannehill is better than Tua. So you can argue that one uh, to the end of time. But that's just where my head is at right now. No, those are great two grabs to go for again. If you can, if you're in that early spot, that 1.01 to 1.03, the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes, the Kyler Murrays, those are your easy grabs. But mm-hmm. only three people get those picks. You know, what I mean, only mm-hmm. one through three. For the rest of us, those are guys to aim for there. Um, so it's really good to know about those guys. So moving on, everyone's favorite position, the running back position. Who are a couple running backs that you are aiming for in your startups? So. It's always nice to have like the early running backs, but of course, like if you're at the bottom of the first or if you're in like the second round, you might not get one of those elite running backs because I would be going for the quarterback at that spot. So you probably don't get those early on. And um, so for me, the later round running backs that I like to target are Ronald Jones and AJ Dillon. Because I think both of these guys have potential to be the running back one on their team next year. And they could, like, in a larger role, they have a really good chance at uh, outperforming their ADP. Like, Ronald Jones and A.J. Dillon go around their low-end running back two range, like running back 23 or 24 off the board. And, uh, like, Ronald Jones is a free agent this year, so he could potentially go somewhere else and uh, become the running back one. And even if he stays in Tampa, he's probably going to be the uh, running back one. Oh, go on. And then with A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones is a free agent, and he may not this year. So uh, I think A.J. Dillon has the running back one upside that Aaron Jones had last year and the year before. So – AJ Dillon is like a really good pick in this seventh, eighth round for me. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. I love those two guys. One thing I do want to touch on that Ronald Jones is not the one that's going to be a free agent this year. He's a free agent in 2022, but the everyone around him is a free agent. So that's something to um, consider there is that the Leonard Fournette is going to be gone. Um, most likely they're not going to pay him again unless he takes like a super big deal, like drop down like he did this year just to get a job. But I'm sure this way he's played in the playoffs that he's going to get a job there. And LaShawn McCoy, who's been doing nothing, is going to be gone. And Ronald Jones has played well when he gets the opportunity. I think he just needs the opportunity there. So I think once he earns that, no one around him, because I don't think Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be anything. I love that grab. And it's, the fun fact about that, everyone's like, oh, Keyshawn Vaughn's a rookie. Ronald Jones is younger. Yeah. No one- that Ronald Jones has been in the league, came in the league at 20, I believe. And he's just hitting his strides. He's getting his man legs on him finally. So Mm -hmm. definitely a great target. AJ Dillon, 
everyone's got an opinion on AJ Dillon. Like I love him at a value. I hate sometimes I've seen him go as high as the third or fourth round by some believers. Don't reach for him because it could change so much, but that seventh, eighth round, I love that spot, right? That you said, right? That's a good like value spot because you have an established core and now you're aiming for the upside. You're usually grabbing your like first flex around mm-hmm. that range or like, or you're deciding between him and like a tight end that has no upside. So no, I love that. So make sure you pay attention to value as well. There, I, I just wrote an article recently about this. There are about 340 vacated carries with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams not being on the team as of next year. One of them can come back. They both could come back. There's always that risk factor. But again, it's all about what you're paying for them is the key to that. I definitely um, love that with that. Some guys I want to touch on is um, I'll, talk, I'll start with Kareem Hunt uh, running back for Cleveland Browns. I know he's behind Nick Chubb but he still gets the workload. They coincide so well. And he's somebody you can get in that like sixth, seventh round as well. Maybe even later, depending if there's a lot of chub truthers in there. And he's someone that has one injury away from being a top five running back, which we saw this year. And he still gets the uh, pass work and the run work there. So he's someone like, if I go like a little bit, everyone goes RB around me and I just like, I'm waiting on it. I'm getting a lot of value everywhere else. He's someone I'm okay with as my running back one. So I kind of want to touch on him. Um, another guy, I think that's someone that is a little bit off the radar that we should talk about more and we'll go with Joe Mixon coming off injury. Um, a little bit more expensive. Again, look at your league, know who's about there, but I've seen him going in the fourth, fifth round, mm-hmm. and but I've seen him as high as the second. So like, again, know who you're drafting with, but something to think about with him is he's coming off injury. He's, he looked great when he got the work. He just, again, sometimes injury discounts are there and they're good to have. He's still 24 signed a big deal. He's going to be locked in with Joe Burrow for the the rest of his running back career that he's going to have. He's an elite athlete at the position, probably one of the best runners, like top five best actual runners in the league. He just has been like very underwhelming because they've been given workload somewhere else or he's been injured, but he's definitely someone like at that value point. Again, that fourth, fifth round of your time with him and like, a different guy. I think he's the right call most of the time. Um, what do you think of Hunt and uh, Mixon? Yeah, so I 100% agree with Joe Mixon because uh, I think that the offensive line probably does get better this year, and they have an early pick to address that. And then also Joe Burrow is going to come back. So the upside for that offense is just so high, and they have like a touchdown upside that not as many other teams have right now because they have a lot of uh, upside with all of the players in the team who are coming back from injury. And then with Kareem Hunt, I like him. But for me, I prefer A.J. Dillon or Ronald Jones to him right now. Because no, I think that that's they fine. Have- You're allowed to disagree. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Again, you're going to make that decision for yourself there. Um, it just depends what you're building. But if they're all in that same range, you might be on the outside looking in. These are guys you can look at and make your own decision with there. Like I would probably order them Dylan hunt, Ronald Jones mm-hmm. um, for the upside principle of what they could be because uh, there, but they're all like right next to each other. And, and I could like wake up tomorrow and reorder them. So yeah. no, it, it's okay to disagree. My friend um, mm-hmm. um, wide receivers coming up next. So coming in hot here. I know you got some two receivers that I personally love and I want to hear about them. So let's talk about the wide receivers. So uh, for my wide receivers, the ones that I really like are ones that I can get later because 
there's just so many wide receivers that are available. Like there's like 20 to 25 guys that I'd be okay with as my wide receiver one. But particularly ones that I'm currently going after are Deontay Johnson and Allen Robinson because uh, both of them have been falling in the fifth to seventh round range. And like Deontay Johnson has been falling like seventh and eighth round in places that I've been drafting. So for me, Deontay Johnson is just a very good value because he could be the wide receiver one on the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. And they could potentially get an upgrade at the quarterback position in the future because Big Ben may retire and he is getting older every year. So they might address the quarterback in this draft or another draft coming up. And then uh, with uh, Allen Robinson, he's a free agent. So he can go pretty much anywhere he wants and he's probably going to be the wide receiver one or two on that team. And he's going to command targets and pay off his ADP. No, totally agree with that one. Um, yeah, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, two great choices there. I'm actually going to talk about two players that played alongside them this past season that you can get a little bit later than both of them, and that is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster and Tyler Boyd. So two guys I love at a value because they go in the seventh, eighth round, which is, again, a very good value round. So if you're a trader like I am, someone to think about. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster was the dynasty wide receiver one just what two years ago what people valued him ads coming out and he's dropped down all the way i've gotten him in two separate drafts in the 7.3 and 7.4 mark mm -hmm. that's insane to me because you're drafting i love this is my favorite thing i love getting guys at their floor mm -hmm. because the worst that can happen in this is they give me the exact same value that i paid for them and i'm mm -hmm. and that's what i wanted them for the best thing that happens is i just got a wide receiver two or one in the seventh round as my wide receiver three or four. Something I love mm -hmm. about that. Tyler Boyd, someone like to bring up. I like T Higgins more, but they play different roles. So they work really well together on that team. Um, the Bengals are a team to look for going forward. Um, Tyler Boyd was the wide receiver 11 this past season. Um, when Burrow was playing average 16.2 points per game. And that's with AJ green there. So that's a big key factor that one. So both T Higgins and Tyler Boyd with T Higgins. I do have to say, I like a little more mostly because one definitely younger Two, he performed with worse quarterbacks better. And I love wide receivers that can perform with bad quarterbacks. Cause that means they're not relying on their quarterbacks and their ceiling only rises with the quarterback play. But Boyd, like I said, should be getting burrow back soon. Should have that connection and 104 vacated targets with AJ green leaving will be divvied to them primarily. So we're seeing more targets for Boyd, more targets for T. Definitely two guys you should be aiming for at the right value points. I love T. Higgins in like the fourth, fifth round. I love Tyler Boyd in that seventh and ninth round mark. I wouldn't get both of them, but the two guys I'm, I'm looking for um, there. So again, those are good spots. Start aiming for those wide receiver twos, wide receiver one upside, or those sneaky PPR plays that just like, how did this guy get to the wide receiver 15? And I'm like, well, it just a lot of receptions. So something to consider with those two um perfect man i love i love everything we're doing right now it seems we get a pretty good agreement we had a little bit of argument the tightest of ends to end it off here everyone's favorite garbage position trying to find those gems in there i know last year i got super lucky by having robert tanyan tanyan and logan thomas on all my teams i got them in the 15th and 17th round respectively in every league because i was shooting for that upside what are some later guys 
because both of us will love to have those top three guys to five guys, the uh, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson's on our team. But sometimes you don't want to pay those, and sometimes someone wants it more than me. So what are some guys that you're looking for in those later rounds that can return that value and be that fighting source to pull you through? Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, two tight ends that I do like later right now are Austin Hooper and uh, Tyler Higby because uh, both of them have a lot of opportunity to come uh, in the future because like Austin Hooper for me, I think that uh, next year he's going to develop even more and uh, continue his rapport with Baker Mayfield because uh, like it's not normal for tight ends and wide receivers to produce year one in a new situation. This year we did have a couple outliers like uh, Stefan Diggs who just absolutely smashed year one in a new team. But normally, especially for tight ends, it does take time to build a rapport with their quarterback. So I believe that in year two with Baker Mayfield, Austin Hooper has some sky-high upside and could get back into that top five to seven watt tight end range. And then uh, I really like Tyler Higby because uh, Everett is probably going to be gone next year. So I think that Tyler Higby has the upside that he showed at the, down the stretch last year. And maybe not to that extent, but even if he's like a tight end 12 or something like that, he's going to give you value because right now he's been going as the tight end 17 or 18 off the board. No, those are great names right there for bounce back candidates, especially with that. Cause Hooper and Higby had great um, 2019 seasons and really honestly, let's be real disappointing 2020 seasons mm -hmm. for what we expected from them. But something big to talk about is Hooper's first year on that offense and Joe, who's probably going to be gone. And in the games that Hooper played, he was one of the more targeted players in the game. So it seems like Baker and him have a good connection. They just got to build that chemistry and without an off season. It's really hard to do when you join a new team. Higby, um, if you look at his splits between when um, Everett was playing and when he wasn't, they are astronomically different. One thing funny this year, um, I was actually chatting with some people uh, during a live stream, and they pulled Everett off for a play, and Higby got a touchdown. He's like, every time that Everett is off the field, Higby catches a touchdown. So Everett should be gone this next year um, onto a new team. He's someone to look out for as well, but we don't know his landing spots. So I don't want to really bring that up with him. But, yeah, those are um, – some great targets there. A few guys I want to bring up. Mike Gusecki and Irv Smith, two highly athletic tight ends. That's something I like to look for um, in my tight ends there is being very athletic. Gusecki actually scored more fantasy points per game by almost two and a half a game with Tua versus um, Fitzpatrick there. So that's something to think about as well. A lot of people think that Fitzpatrick elevated every player. Um, Tua actually was elevating Gusecki more and he's just so much fun to watch. And I think he's one of those guys that coming out that has every piece you need to be a successful tight end because he's an okay blocker. So been on the field enough, which is something I look for, but he's always a downfield threat. He's basically like a giant slot receiver who can actually make spectacular grabs. So I think he's my sleeper tight end this year. And I'm usually grabbing him around like he's around the 11th round. Most people would grab him, but I usually aim for him like the ninth, 10th there. Um, big one. Irv Smith kind of becoming a hot name, but something I want to bring up. Um, Kyle Rudolph is probably going to be a cash cap casualty this year. So coming down to one tight end in that offense is going to be amazing for him. Big athletic target. We've seen the touchdown upside with him. And a lot of times with tight ends, you're really shooting for that upside there 
So what's your opinions on um, my two biggins, my Kaseki and uh, Irv Smith? Yeah, I completely agree with both of them because they both have a lot of upside with the way they play and how athletic they are. So they will likely be on the field a lot this year, especially like Gusecki because he's a tight end one on the team. And then Irv Smith has a lot of opportunity to open up with uh, Kyle Rudolph being gone. So again, it's a little speculative since we're assuming that Rudolph is gone, but I absolutely do believe that Rudolph will be gone this year. Oh, they're in, they're in cap hell. They got to cut something. Yeah. I, I literally like, I would put a good amount of money on Rudolph. I mean, I love, I love yeah. the Red Bull reindeer. I love that guy. He's yeah. was a great player, really locked down for a bunch of years, but he's getting older. His contract doesn't make sense and they have a guy ready. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we're speculating, yeah. but we're like educated speculating yeah. on this one. Yeah. So that's a big thing there. So cool, man. Um, Love talking to you about this. Hopefully the listeners were taking notes, got their ideas going, and you can always uh, reach out to me there. So this has been our Superflex uh, strategy pod. Garf, tell them where they can find you and um, where you, we can find your work as well. So uh, I'm a writer for Pregame HQ. So again, like if you want, you can always check out our website and uh, there will always be like some new article there because we have so many writers. And then – uh, you can also find me on Twitter at FFinsight1. And, yeah, so feel free to follow me there. Yep, that's at, that's at F-F-I-N-S-I-G-H-T and the number one there to find my good friend Garv over here. Well, to find me on Twitter, again, you can reach out through me through Pregame HQ. That's where you find a lot of my work. And you'll listen to me every single week on this Pregame HQ Fans Football Podcast. But a lot of my work also is at Kid Flash, K-I-D-F-L-A-S-H-F-F. At, on Twitter. So please reach out to me. My DMs are always open to any help you guys need. But thank you all so much for joining us. Thank you all so much for listening in. Um, and happy football, y'all. We'll talk to you soon.